0: I'm Holly Knight, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast.
1: Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself, I can't afford to be here small town music, this is big town music. He's a his time, you know, but he can use it, he can
2: prove it. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new way. and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me in the Zoom room today for her second appearance, this time. To promote her new autobiography, I Am the Warrior, My Crazy Life Writing the Hits and Rocking the MTV 80s, please welcome legendary songwriter Holly Knight. Hello, Holly.
0: Hi, Pat. Nice to see you again.
2: Nice to see you again, too. I'm so excited that you finally put your story down on the page. It's been great to leaf through this book and drop in anywhere and read some cool stuff. And uh, I'm just excited to talk to you again. Now, I'm calling this episode Silent Night, Holly Night, because I thought that was kind of clever. And because we're going to talk a little bit about some Christmas music. But first, we're going to delve into I Am the Warrior. Awesome. Uh, Forward by Tina Turner. You have quite a relationship with this woman. So I'm assuming there was probably no other choice to write the foreword, or maybe there was.
0: You know, I hadn't really thought about it, and um, it just, I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. She was the first one I asked, so.
2: So she said yes, so you didn't have to ask anyone else.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and once you have the best, you know.
2: <laughs> That's right. But a boom Speaking of that, you took the title from the song, The Warrior. Were yes. you considering any of your other song titles to be the title of the book?
0: Um, I was. And I was thinking, of, uh, for instance, The Best. I, I thought of quite a few, but I think my publishers just said, look, the obvious one t- to us is The Warrior. You know, um, I guess I sort of exude that sort of uh, that vibe. So
2: It could have been Invincible. That would have been a, a fine title, too.
0: Yeah, that's true, but it's a good thing I didn't because I guess Pat and Neil are doing an, a musical, so. Um, All right. Yeah.
2: And uh, well, that's good for you too if they're doing a musical because obviously, the the two songs you're known for writing for Pat Benatar will, they have to be in the musical.
0: Uh. Well, yeah. I don't think they could have a musical without putting "Battlefield" or no. "Invincible" in them.
2: There's no way. There's no way you could. I mean you could, but it would be a serious omission that I don't think anyone who went to that musical uh would enjoy.
0: True. I mean they do have other great songs. Sure. But, but, but I mean are, these are the ones, I mean, they're kind of like attached to each other, you know, at this point. I don't know about Invincible, but certainly Love's a Battlefield.
2: Certainly Love is a Battlefield is a signature song for Pat Benatar. What's harder, writing a hit song or writing your autobiography?
0: Well, there are different mediums, so it's hard to say which is harder. I mean, I put a lot of work into writing this book. It took me about two years, and I probably wrote twice the amount that it's ended up being. Mm-hmm. So it's always better I kind of do that with songs too, like maybe you might overwrite and then you start to whittle away like a piece of clay and carve it and trim off the fat and make it really tight, you know. So um, I'm more. It's it's a hard question because I've been writing my whole life, uh, writing songs. Right. I'd never written a book before, and um, fortunately, I had enough people that were kind enough to say to me, "You you don't need a ghostwriter. You're a writer. Yes, it's different, but they want to hear your voice, um, and so you should do it. And you shouldn't have a you know Holly Knight written with blah blah blah. You shouldn't ghostwrite. You should you should just do it. And so I did, and I. I kind of learned as I went um, also because I wanted it to have some uh, lyric sort of class to it. I didn't want it just to be a story that I just threw on paper and told my story. So I had to think about just the way I do when I write lyrics, like what's a more clever or interesting or poetic way of saying something, you know? Um, And to me, that's what makes great books that are, are really well written, you know, along with a great plot, which... I think this has a great plot, although this isn't fiction. It's entirely true. That's At least according one, to my memory.
2: <laughs> and that is one of the first things I noticed when I got the book is that it's, it's just written by you because almost every rock bio that I own or I see always has with, or, you know, another person is helping out. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And you can tell, I mean, I've I've met you and talked to you in person and your voice does come through on these pages. And that that's what I want as a fan.
0: Yeah. Well, I also did the audiobook and I was again, they said we want you to narrate it. That came out also on the same day. It's on Audible. And what's cool about the audiobook is that I had found the original demos to some of my biggest songs like um Loves the Battlefield, The Best, The Warrior, The Warrior, especially because of the name of the book, right. um Invincible and they they've added those onto the uh the audiobook so it's like never before heard. That's so great. So for anyone yeah, so anyone that's interested will will basically hear the truth that on those demos all the parts, all the elements are there. You know, maybe the production change and things like that, but all the, you know, everything from arrangements to, and depending on the artist, like if it was Tina Turner, she copied everything. Mm-hmm. I, and I love that about her because um, she had the respect to to honor what she got. And we didn't make big fancy demos, but all the parts that mattered, she, she emulated and then made them her own, you know? A
1: prisoner of your love. Entangle. Yes, I'm touched by this show of emotion. Should I be fractured by your lack of devotion?
2: Well, I mean, the first time an artist hears the song, it's it's probably a demo. And so if they like the song, why wouldn't they want to record it the way you envision it?
0: You would think so. But sometimes, yeah. you know, there's a lot of egos in the music business and there have been a lot of producers that hear something. And sometimes they change it to make it better, but um, sometimes they don't. And they'll like, you know, they'll change it just because they can. Yeah, you know. true. And is that disappointing when that happens? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's sort of like I gave you everything. I mean, I've worked with uh, Mike Chapman's, who, who who's one of the top producers, and I've sponged knowledge off of him, and I've learned so much. And I'm a musician, so I don't, you know, I, I think the parts that are most important are the arrangements and the songs themselves. And I don't really like it when they overproduce them. I'd rather hear it let you know less produced than overproduced, uh, because then it takes away from the beauty of the the song. And it's harder to hear the song, you know, that doesn't happen that often, but right. it's, it's happened on one or two of my biggest hits, which I write about in my book, as you know, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty oh, forthright in telling my version, my, not version, but my side of things.
2: You are nothing if not honest in this book. I'm for a New sure. Yorker.
0: What can I say?
2: That's yeah. Yeah. And you, and right, right, uh, right at the beginning, we know you're a New Yorker. So very cool. Now, When you were writing this book for two years, was it hard to think about songwriting? Because like you have an assignment, you have to write this book. So were you able to write any songs at the same time you were writing the book? Or did this consume your life?
0: Um, it consumed my life pretty much. And that was by design. I mean, I did do, I did work on one new project that I'm really excited about, but rather than spreading myself too thin, I did focus on the book. I mean, I've been writing for like, you know, 40 years and it's sort of like, I, I needed the break, you know, and, um, and it's actually cool because now I feel refreshed and I can go back to songwriting and, um, Frankly, I'm hoping that the, the book becomes big enough that there are people out there, certain artists that I would love to work with. And you would think being in the Songwriters Hall of Fame and having as many hits as I've had that I would have access to anybody, but not so, not as much as you would think, because for every big artist out there that I want to work with, um, they're surrounded by like, you know, there's so many, you know, vaults and things that you have to get through and, and, and bodyguards and, bodyguards you know, handlers before you can actually get to the person to say, I want I would love to write with you. I think we'd be great together. So I'm hoping that the book maybe will get their attention, you know. And when you say that, it's
2: almost nonsense to me. I would think it that is, you could get a right? hold of anyone and get at least get in a room with someone and see if you have chemistry or present them with a song that you were had written that you thought would fit their style. And to hear that after all these years, it that's that's crazy.
0: It is crazy, but we it's a crazy world. What can I say? You it know? is a
2: crazy world. Yeah. And uh, but again, you're yeah, you're one of the most successful songwriters of my lifetime. So I mean, I, I love that the 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 my crazy life writing the hits and rocking the MTV 80s. I mean, I was in tenth or eleventh grade when MTV hit. And we watched it constantly, nonstop, all the time. So much so that my mom called it that goddamn MTV. I mean, Mm -hmm. because we always, because, you know, adults- It's always
0: on in the background, right? And it's like the same with me. I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I say that in the book. And I have one chapter, and it's short, but it's completely devoted to MTV because- it was the best thing that ever happened to me because i had so many videos on at the same time you know uh that they started talking about me on the news and stuff and um that was kind of surprising to me i mean i would never had a pr agent or anything and the music was kind of like my you know my sounding board you know so um and it was just a really special time. The book is centric on, for I mean, you've read it, but just for yeah. people that are listening, the book is centric on that time period of like 1980 to the end of the 80s. And of course, I have, you know, um my childhood, I have a, a, a sure. story about, you know, how I had my first band, Spider, and there's quite a bit on that, and then Kiss my time with KISS, um, it's really a part of my history, story And um, then MTV happened, you know, so it's sort of, uh, I wanted to focus on that, because it's sort of like my love letter to the 80s. And, and of course, I've had a lot of, I've had hits, I've had TV, movie, and in fact, lately, I'm having so much TV and movie licensing. But it's actually for a lot of stuff that was popular in the 80s, you know? So it seems like a timely time to be writing about that. I don't think a lot of people have really talked that much about MTV, and it was such a phenomena, you know? And then at the end of the 90s, I wrote the biggest song of my career and kept going, but the MTV kind of just sort of fell apart, you know? I mean, it wasn't about music anymore. But for that time period, It was just such a precious special time. I mean, it, 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 it affected pop culture, pop culture affected it, you know, it had spinoff shows like the, the Don Johnson one, Miami Vice, which just was like a glorified, uh, Video hour worth of videos, yeah. music videos and fashions, and they sort of mirrored each other. And it was a crazy time. I mean, there's a lot of excess and partying and drugs and sex and rock and roll, and it's sort of changed. You know, everything's gotten a lot more serious and planned. You know, there, there are no more crazy accidents like having videos where cows would, would be walking through the, the right in front of the camera through the rim, you know?
2: Yeah, so, I mean there's a group of people that think MTV is just Jersey shore and stuff like that. They don't remember when the M stood for music and it was, exactly that's what it was. I never understood why any of these networks, they start as one thing and then they wanted, then they want to do everything. Just stick with what you do. And MTV, they, was they, they,
0: they're they're pandering to like they want to see pandering. what someone reacts to, and then they go running in that direction yeah. with ten more of that. And they they are you know it didn't start out that way. What was so great about MTV was it was a new medium. I mean, if you wanted to see a video before that, you hardly saw videos. You'd see like the Midnight yeah. Special or something like that. But right. this all of a sudden was such a game changer because then everybody started to have a video. Every time a single would come out, a video would come out and you had to look great and you had to, and then it's, it became even more crazy where it was less band-like and there was more dancing and everything was choreographed. And then, you know, it's sort of like the, with the world being digital now where everything is perfect, but all the raw edges are kind of smoothed out. And I, I miss, you know, I miss the raw edges. I miss that gritty part, you know?
2: As a kid growing up in small town Pennsylvania, I would only see my artists in Rolling Stone or Cream or Circus Magazine. And those were just pictures. But with MTV, to see the artist, you know, this is before I went to concerts, to see the artist moving you know, and grooving, it was like, it was like a miracle right in your living room. It was right,
0: because you, you didn't then have to go see them live if you weren't able to, or if you right. didn't have the money or the ability to go, you could yeah. see them 24 seven in your own living room. You
2: Absolutely. Know? It was, it was joyous. I, I and, and you have all the VJs, you have them all quoted. Uh, they do a quote about the book at the beginning except for JJ, because rock and peace, JJ Jackson, right. but everybody else. So I thanked
0: cool. him at the end of the book anyway, thanked all of them. And yeah, I mean, that really sort of validated what I was trying to capture in this book. And, you know, my hope, my hope is that like the people that grew up watching it and were there when it was all happening, that, They'll, they'll kind of close their eyes and, and remember maybe the first time they heard Love is a Battlefield and they were on the, on a date with, you know, yep. a special person or they'll just, you know, it's very nostalgic actually and it'll make you laugh because you'll remember things that you went through during that time yep. or you might have wondered something behind one of the songs or and you're hearing like the, the stories behind them now. And, and if, and if there are people reading and there are lots of young people that are reading the book, yeah. I, my hope is that they wish they had been there, you know, because there's nothing like that right now. There's nothing
2: like, I mean, they used to tease, there's going to be a world premiere video this Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, right. people were like, oh, we got to see that new video this Friday. I mean, it was, and we would, we would be there. We would, we would wait. It was,
0: yeah, yeah I, I, would too. To I would, I would too, I would yeah. too, and um. No, it was just exciting. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Madonna and I went over to Mike Chapman's house. I said, oh my God, when this video comes on, you have to see this girl. She is, she's going to be hot. She, she, she was doing the song Burning Up, actually. Yeah. And I said, this girl's going to be big, you know, and I, and I remember when Prince's video for When Doves Cry, it came out, you know, and he had Wendy and Lisa in the group and just so many memories, you know. Um, But a lot of the memories are mine. I mean, that's the interesting thing. It's like, yes, I was a fan. And I had, you know, my favorite videos, but I had videos that I was very much behind the scenes, a part of, you know, and even with my own band, I write about that in the book with my band device where I was in the video, right? Um, I write about that and I, you know, it's funny because with YouTube, we have so many um, fans now that we couldn't have possibly had back then we have almost a million fans if you add up like the video likes and stuff and um, I talk about why we didn't make a second record because that is the number one question I get asked by fans all the time like what happened? You know, why did you leave Spider? Spider was on its way to, to, to doing really well. That was my first band. Yes. That's Those of you who sure. don't you know. Now. Um, so it's all there in the book. And there's lots of, as my editor says, juicy and provocative stuff, <laughs> too, because why would I avoid that?
2: Now, juicy and provocative stuff. When you're writing a book and you know that your family and your friends are going to read this stuff, and they might not know these stories, but you're going to put it all out there is, are you comfortable knowing that people are going to read this or do you, Avi, tr- I don't think you're a person that holds back. Right. So, um, but what were you, was there any hesitation about warts and all and, you know, decadence no. and putting it out there?
0: No, there's nothing that I'm ashamed of. And Good. I have a story to tell. And if men can do it, so can women. You Absolutely. Know, for men, so You know, um, I've, I've always felt like I was able to, you know, move about. I had a lot of respect for men. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who have any real me too stories in that book at all. And if there was any ass grabbing, it was on both parts. As I say in the book, there was plenty of ass grab- grabbing on both parts. Of course, I'm kidding. You know, I didn't go around grabbing men's ass. But, you know, I dated some of them. I married yeah. one or two. Um, and... You know, I think it's actually kind of humorous the way I spin it because I don't go into detail. I just say enough that I think it's sort of written in a way that's not trashy. You know, it's elegantly yep. trashy, if anything.
2: I also feel like you don't have any me too moments or stories, maybe, because I don't think you would have tolerated it.
0: I wouldn't have. No. There's no way. I mean, I think just the impression my last name is, is Knight, um, which came to me in a dream. I talk about that too. Um, and you know a lot of my songs were empowering songs about fighting and i never really even thought about that until you know an interviewer said to me once you know your songs are always about fighting like what's up with that and i said well they're not all about fighting and he said well no it's good it's very compelling and i thought well let me go home i went home i looked at the titles they were like, love is a battlefield and better be good to me and invincible and. You know, and I thought in The Warrior, and I thought, well, geez, you know, he's right. And it was like something I hadn't even been aware of. It was just something that you write what you know. Yeah. And I realized that um, it's not so much about fighting with someone as fighting for something. And my songs are almost like crusades in that way. Um, And they're very dramatic, but it's always fighting for things that I believe I deserve Mm -hmm. and that every woman I want every woman to feel that way, that they have the right. Like I walked into the man cave. I said in the book, I walked into the man cave. Like I had every right to be there. Not even like I had every right. I had every right to be there. And I think they picked up on that. So they really didn't, you know, didn't fuck with me, you know?
2: (laughs) That's good. Also, when I read that part in the book, that interviewer who brought that to your attention, I was just like, that's amazing that this guy First of all, he was prepared, and that jumped out at him, and uh, and that was cool. So, uh, this will be a difficult question. Of all the songs you've written, do you have a favorite lyric? Like one that just you still to this day you just you you just love it. You just think it's perfect.
0: Um, well, yes, I do, but they're. Diff- I have a couple, actually, that I'm mm-hmm. really proud of that are completely different. Um, they're completely different vibes. One of them is Invincible, actually. Yeah. Um, that song, if anything, is like quintessentially me, you know, whether it's musical, um, I wrote it for Pat Benatar, so it has melodies that are, they jump around a lot and mm-hmm. everybody could sing that song. Um, But it's dark, it's edgy. The lyrics are really about, you know, and with the power of conviction, there is no sacrifice and very dramatic, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, It's a do or die situation. We will be invincible. I mean, that's about as anthemic as I can get, you know? Yeah. and and it was it was an honest moment when I wrote it. Uh, I tend to like write in more darker formats uh, a lot but I decided I wanted to write a song. Um, I ended up writing it with Mike and Mike actually had the title which was the best. He had been wanting to write a song called that for a long time and that's one of the only super positive songs that I've written. And it's really hard to write like, you know, a a positive song and not sound cheesy, you know, or
1: preachy. Yeah.
0: So you have to really like write from an honest place. And, and we did, and, 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 and it's very dramatic. And, you know, it's funny because every single singer, but for Tina Turner has sung the lyric wrong in the chorus. And I've had a lot of people cut the song, but it's, because, you know, you try and rhyme words together. That's part of lyrical writing. Right. And, and it goes, you're simply the best, better than all the rest, better than anyone, anyone I ever met. Um, I'm stuck on your heart. I hang on every word you said, and it's said. us apart, baby, I would rather be dead. So it's said and dead. And every singer mm-hmm. says say. I hang on every word you say, us apart, baby, I would rather be dead. People don't realize, like, you know, that the work that comes that comes along with writing a song and it doesn't always have to be like complicated or or, you know, uh, explicit or anything like that. It just has to be good. You know? Yeah. That's something that everybody can sing.
2: Well, I'm bummed that these people that are recording the best aren't at least checking out the lyrics they're not reading. Well,
0: because they don't know. They're just sort of inheriting it. They go on the internet, and I mean, oh my god, it's so. I have so much fun looking at the lyrics on the internet that people think my lyrics are. I mean, some of them. I wish I could remember some of them, but they're they're, they're hilarious sometimes. You know,
2: maybe a lyric book is something you should uh, put out next.
0: Well, I'm thinking of doing sort of like a grimoire, sort of um, coffee table book with lyrics and tips on how to write songs, you know, not anything that I've been taught ever, but that I've acquired. And I never really thought about it, you know, like when I was writing, I never thought, oh, well, this is why we have a bridge. I just sort of instinctively knew, but I think I've been able to explain it now because I do master classes once in a while. um, How, you know, how to do this or what an arrangement is or what a copyright is. I think... I think like a really fun book with, with, with um, graphics and photos and all kinds of things that it could be the next thing. What was the
2: song as you were writing it, you knew this is going to be a hit. This is a hit without a doubt.
0: Every song. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I knew that with Love is a Battlefield. Okay. I did not know that with The Best. I mean, who knew that that was, that's the biggest song in my, in my catalog.
2: That's the um, gift that keeps on giving.
0: Oh my God, it's, it's insane. And you can't plan for that. You know, you just have to write right. from an honest place. And I guess it's like looking for all you, you hope to hit the mother low, but you don't know where it is, you know? Right. Um, but I knew when we wrote love is a battlefield that Pat would have a hit with it, you know, and so did, so did Mike. Yeah. We just knew it, you know, we, cause, cause Pat called us up and that's in the book. There's the whole story, how that came to be and the fun things that we kind of went through getting to know each other, Mike and I, cause it was really only like the second or third song we had written together. In fact, the first song we'd ever written together was a big hit too. And I knew that when we wrote it, I thought, wow, this is really a good song. We wrote a great song, but we wrote it for my band. He had signed my band, Spider and we were doing our second record. And uh, I still felt that we needed a single. So I had gone to behind the band's back and asked if he would write a song with me which was Better Be Good to Me. A prisoner of your love
1: Entangled in your way Hot whispers in the night I'm captured by your spirit Captured Oh yes, I'm touched by the show of emotion I've been fractured by your lack of emotion. Should I? Should I? Oh, you better be good to me. That's how it's gotta be now. Cause I don't have no use for why to stick all the tree. Oh, you better
0: be good me. And then six months later, Tina cut it. And it was it's definitely one of the staples. Like when she report when she performs live, yeah. she always does that song. And I, I knew it was a good song too. But Battlefield, I was like, you know, this is such a weird song. It's gotta do well. I mean, the title alone was so weird, you know. Yeah.
2: Is um and the flip side of that, is there a song that you were you wrote and you thought that it was gonna be huge and it just didn't catch fire for whatever reason.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When Tina cut the best, it did okay. It only went to like number 16, which you know, we thought it would at least go top 10. Right. And then it kind of fizzled and we thought, "Oh, well, what a shame," you know. Yeah. And then it took on a life of its own over the years. I mean, and here it is 40 years later and there's very few people on the planet that don't know that song at this point, if I travel or whatever, it, you know, it's, it's one of those songs and um, it, we just didn't even think it was a hit when I mean, we thought it was a hit, but we didn't think it was going to end up doing like really as well as it did because it kind of fizzled and then it kind of backed up and then went choo, like that, you yeah. know, but it, it took some time.
2: It's funny. The songs that you think, like, I would have never, I would have thought that was like a number one hit. Like I interviewed yeah. Dave Stewart a couple months ago and when I was looking at Eurythmic songs, I would have swore Sisters Are Doing It for Themselves was the number one hit. And it went to number 18 or something. It's really? like kind of, yeah. I thought
0: it's that was the number one. But then the no, people say that about yeah. the best. They think, oh, that was, an, it was number one, actually, the best in in parts of the world, but not right. in America. But
2: not in America. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then um, I had I had one other song I just wanted to say. It was supported by the Divinal. It was good we shouldn't say the divinals it's divinals divinals um, and you know they're known for i touch myself which billy steinberg who's a great friend of mine wrote incredible song but before that i had written a song called pleasure and pain and it was huge on MTV but it didn't chart here it didn't do anything and it was that was a disappointment because it was number 1 in australia and all these other places and i thought it was a hit song so
2: so that's one of the ones
0: that's one of the ones
2: if you had a golden ticket and you could just cash that in and you could work with any artist right now, veteran artist, a new artist, anyone who would you cash that golden ticket
0: in for? Well, that's a tough one because there's a few. All right. Do I get more than one ticket? You're Holly Knight. You should get more than one ticket. Okay. Well, one is an established artist, which is Lady Gaga. I just, I think she's amazing. I think we would be, really good together. Yes. Um, cause you know, her stuff is almost like sort of eighties pop in a lot of ways, you know, Yeah,
2: for sure. So she
0: would definitely be one. And then there's a, a new group out that I've been kind of stalking their manager. <laughs> um, and I've been telling everybody about them for the last year and they're called Maneskin. I don't know if you've heard. No, of them.
2: I don't know them.
0: Yeah. It's like M A N E S K I N. They're a new band. They're Italian. Okay. They won the Eurovision, um, last year but in the rock category you know okay. i don't I usually don't pay attention to your vision because it's a little bit vanilla for me um but this is a rock band and they're bringing rock back and it's four pieces um they're all super talented they're all gorgeous they have some really good songs i think their new album is being produced by max martin but i just want to get my hands on them um, because what I first heard was very, very rock. And the kind of stuff they're doing with Max Martin is good, but it's very, it's pop the way, you know, kind of the direction of Katy, Katy Perry or the, the other stuff that Max Martin does. So I love them. But I'd also like to say I'd like to work with Harry Styles and Gio Lipa yeah. and Adele, you know.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: I have a whole list. So. And again, I can't believe that
2: this isn't happening on a day-to-day basis.
0: It's very frustrating, but yeah. I mean, it's the world we live in. You know, there these stars are so sequestered, and now that there's social media, they're and you know they're being so you know hidden and and protected now in a way that they're not as accessible. They're like so big. They're such mega stars yeah. from you know they're getting like whether it's YouTube or social media, they're getting up to a billion hits and stuff, and it's it's, it's insane, you know. Yeah. Um, It wasn't like that. That was the other thing that was great. In the 80s, I just had access to um, so many great artists, sometimes with my own tenacity, you -hmm. know, my own sort of stalking them. Not really. I didn't really stalk them, but, you know, I had to be creative, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, I
2: want to give a a shout out to some songs that you wrote that might not get enough recognition. I want to start with... Of course, you wrote the Warrior. That's the that's what the book title is based on. But the song "Hands Tied" from that album is fantastic. Like it's probably my favorite song on that album. I just love it so much. I can listen to it over and over and over on a loop.
0: Patty loves that song too. And, and it's funny. It's in fact, she, she emailed me today, which is really weird that we're talking about this because she loves that song. And, um, I'm doing a couple of gigs to you sort of celebrate the book release. And so I just did one in LA at the Bourbon Room last week. Um, but I'm doing one December 19th at the Cutting Room in New York City. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that she, she, uh, is going to come down and, and, and sing. But, If she does, we'll probably do Hands Tied, too, because I know she loves that song, and I do, too. It was their second single, and that's, you know, you asked before, do you ever wonder why a song, you know that it sounds like a hit, and you wonder why it wasn't? I think that was one of those songs as well.
2: Yeah, it's just fantastic. And now I'm bummed that I missed this Bourbon Room show here in L.A. How did I not know about this?
0: I don't know. We were advertising it everywhere. And, um, you know, maybe it was because it was after Thanksgiving. Uh, I think a lot of people had just come home. And then the next week we played. And I don't know.
2: Well, if, if you do it again, contact come me. Come to New
0: York. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. You, you wrote some hits for Heart. But... I'm really partial to Tall, Dark, Handsome Stranger. Such a killer song. Thank you. Just so good.
1: I'm so tired of these men trying to impress me with nothing. The same old routine and the smooth.
0: Yeah, now, it's, 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 got, it's a beautiful sentiment sorry yeah. go ahead what's another one?
2: Oh, well this one this one was big and but the story in the book I was very disappointed that the artist um well how do I say it it's Love Touch Ooh, Baby I don't know why but
1: somehow I always seem to get tangled up in my Not that blind. Deep down inside, you know this love's worth one more shot.
2: I love that song. (laughs) And I just read this part last night that when it appeared on one of Rod's compilation albums and he wrote liner notes about it, he wasn't really kind to it.
0: No, I mean, it was, it was um, devastating for me at the time because when I gave him the song and I wrote it, um, well, you'll, you'll read about it in the book, but he was in love with the tune. And then all of a sudden he, and he had a big hit with it. It was top five. Um, And it's one of my favorite. There's some beautiful lyrics. In in that song, but um, I kind of defy him in the book because I I said, well, you didn't say that at all. You sent me flowers and thanked me uh, for writing you a killer song. Yeah. Um, And then when I ran into him decades later, like, I don't even think he remembers if it even, you know, I can't explain these things that happen, but it's, um, it's strange. He was very friendly and very nice and very supportive. And, and it's almost like he had never written something derogatory in the liner notes. And um, I don't know, all I can say is there's a lot of uh, ass kissers around stores, <laughs> and, you know, whispering in ears. and yes. it's, What can I say? Whenever I listen to an album, cause I still
2: listen to albums. And in the eighties, when I would listen to an album and a song would grab me, then I would look to see who wrote it. It's always a Holly Knight song. Uh, oh, when you. when Meatloaf Bad Out of Hell 3 came out I listened to this and this song Alive it's my favorite song on that album and I look Holly Knight involved in that song
1: I'm still alive must have been a miracle it's been a hell of a ride destination still unknown it's a fact of life if you make one wrong the gun to your head, you better walk the line or you'll be left again.
2: so good
0: thank you well i guess i'm a, I'm what you call a common denominator
2: common denominator for sure
0: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just
1: download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. All right. Let me tell
2: us some people. We're going to talk some Christmas music real quick. hollynight.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. Twitter at hollynightlife and Instagram at hollynightvision. The book is out now. Everyone go get it. Put it on your Christmas list. Buy it for someone who loves Christmas. 80s music or loves MTV. There's something in this book for everyone. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I gave you a little bit of homework, uh, Holly's top five Christmas songs. First of all, you always dress in black. You don't look festive, but are you a Christmas person? Do you get into the holiday season?
0: Totally. And I'm Jewish, but I've always celebrated uh Christmas and Hanukkah. Okay. Um and you know, I I'm I have Two sons that, you know, when you're a parent, as, as parents will know, yeah. you kind of vicariously live through your kids. So even if you were growing up and you didn't do something, by the time you're a parent, you kind of like, you know, you act like you're suffer- suffering through watching, you know, The Lion King or The Little <laughs> Mermaid for the hundredth time, which you would never do with a grown-up movie. But you actually really kind of like enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So, yes, I have the tree. I have, I put on Christmas music. I bake Christmas things. And, um, you know, I actually was going to wear red. I was going to wear red because I was thinking of Christmas. And hey,
2: I, know, I, I, I don't I, think I, I would have known. Survive. I wouldn't have known <laughs> who I was talking to if you had red on. I just <laughs> wouldn't
0: know. You know what? I think when I get older, I'm going to just go the opposite. I'm going to wear only white and I'm going to wear lots of silver jewelry and just be all in like a white witch or something. <laughs>
2: Okay, here we go. In no order whatsoever, this one on the list is one of my wife's favorites and she loves this version uh, specifically, Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt.
1: Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. Of all the fun I've missed,
0: love it. I so mean, kid, ma- like,
2: yep, and I mean, Madonna did a version, Taylor Swift did a version, but it nothing is even close to Earth of Kits' version.
0: No, I mean, she's like the original Catwoman, uh, yes, Catwoman yeah, Men series, you know, and yeah. um. Yeah, no she owns that that one and, and 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 the lyrics on that song are so clever too. I mean it's like uh all about uh materialism and it's it's just funny. It's a funny it's, lyric. It's, it's very, tongue in cheek and yeah. yeah. All right. Uh have
2: yourself a merry little christmas the carpenters version.
1: Have yourself Christmas Make the Yuletide
2: that the carpenters are underrated
0: completely oh my god i am a bona fide carpenter fan you know there's like i'm a rocker and i like really hard music and yeah. nine inch nails and all that stuff but when something is just sentimental and really good i i just melt and believe it or not you know what i listen to in my kitchen i don't listen to rock music because i do it you know That's uh-huh. the last thing i want to listen to I listen to either, uh, you know, like songs from the American Songbook, like the 40s station. For instance, on Sirius, there's the Junction, 40s Junction channel, which I love. And the older, the better, you know, Um, and it's just like those old fashioned sentimental songs. And there are a lot of them that were written back then that are still staples when it comes to these great Christmas songs. Um, And then the other thing I listen to is French music. I listen to French pop music or old French music because I think when the pandemic happened, um, I couldn't travel. No one could travel. So I put on French music so I can pretend I'm in Paris. (laughs) <laughs> I listen to it all the time. And, you know, my son comes through the kitchen. It's like, can you play anything by that? I mean, it's all you play, you know? Um, but I'm really kind of nostalgic in the way. And for the the Carpenters, I mean, Karen Carpenter had the most pure, wonderful, beautiful voice. Yes. And I almost, when I hear, you know, I hear her singing, I just like, it just, it, it does something to me, you know? Yeah.
2: When I see uh, Billie Eilish and her brother, Phineas, they make me think of the Carpenters, not because their music sounds like it, but because they've they've got that brother sister thing, and um, yeah. and they and I just that's what I think of when I see Billie. It's and,
0: intimate. It's yes. intimate. And Billie Eilish, you know, the beauty of her is her intimacy. She's another one I would love to work with, um, but she doesn't really need me. I mean, she's <laughs> on her own. You know.
2: Uh, this is one of my favorites. Is the Christmas song by Nat King Cole.
1: A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with
2: the For me, that's the, that's the number one classic Christmas album of really? all time. Yeah. I, I just love that one. I think because when I was a kid, my, my parents played that one. So it just kind of stuck with me.
0: You want to wear a turtleneck and have a cup of yeah. hot cocoa with marshmallows in it that you're stirring yeah. with a candy cane. You're sitting by the fire and you're hearing Nat King Cole. Yeah. I still I can't thought, believe You know, I thought the song was called Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire for the longest time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I do. Yeah, people, you know, and that's what people call it sometimes, too. But yeah. I can't believe if they're making all these rock biopics that we're not getting one on Nat King Cole. That would be incredible. Because yeah. I don't think people know a lot about his history And they should I'll be home for Christmas Bing Crosby version Another classic
1: I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me Please have snow And mistletoe, and presents on the tree, Christmas Eve will find me.
0: There's a lot of different versions of it, but you know yeah. you got to go back to the source. You know that one was a toss-up between that and White Christmas because, yeah, I'm really corny. I watch that movie every year. <laughs> I can, I can you know, sit and I, you know the song Sisters with the fans and yeah. Sisters. Mm-hmm. Lord help the Mister that comes between me and my sister. I mean <laughs> I love lyrics like that. You know.
2: Last but not least, uh, a more modern day artist. Michael Buble with Holly Jolly Christmas. And I just love that song so much.
1: Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Now, I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello. To friends you know And everyone you meet Oh, the mistletoe is hung Where you can see Somebody waits for you Kiss her once for me Have a holly jolly Christmas And in case you didn't hear Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas This year
0: Well, i have a personal uh, reason for loving that song because my name's in it but um oh, that, yeah I, that's true there's a lot of christmas there's like the holly and the ivy yeah you know, the balls with boughs of holly but you know his voice is just so sensational and so i mean he's kind of like a freak in in a, in a modern day <laughs> age because sit. He, he has the kind of voice that would have been, in, you know, you would have heard that voice during the 40s. Yeah. And um, he does a lot of Christmas songs great. I, it was really yeah. tough for me to pick one, but I, you know, had well, you, to. You, you know, by the way, in the book, at the end, for people that buy the book, uh, it, I was asked by someone, you know, what, if if someone asked you what were, like, some songs, the top 10 songs you wish you had yes. written. I love this part. I love
2: this part of the book because yeah. Lou Reed and uh, Todd Rundgren and Fragile by Sting. I mean, I would like, you picked great songs.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. It was yeah. really hard, but I had to look at um, I mean, There's a lot of songs I love that are great records, but aren't necessarily great songs. I can give you an example. Like, okay. Uh, love My Way, Psychedelic Furs. I love that record. Mm-hmm. And I later found out that Todd Rundgren actually produced that. Yes, he did. I, yeah, I didn't know. Um, but it, it, it's not a song I wish I'd written, you know? I just yeah. love the, the record of it and the way they do it. But when it comes to songs that are just standalone, um, I'm glad you like that because... Yeah, uh, I thought
2: that was cool. Um, and I think the Todd song you picked is Can We Still Be Friends, mm-hmm. which is just such a great
1: song.
0: Had so many, and and you know he was just such a big influence for me yeah. uh, when I was when I was growing up, you know. Uh, so yeah, I had fun with that. I also uh, I ha- I, these boots are made for walking.
1: You keep saying you have got something for me.
0: that to me is like, it, and what's weird about it is it's an empowering song for a woman because it says, you but know, written. one of these, days, these boots are going to walk all over you, you know. But written by um, a man. Written by a man. And I don't know what else. I looked him up and uh, I, I couldn't see what else he'd written, but he wrote that song. So, you know, even getting having writing one song that's like uh, timeless like that. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. it's a hard thing to do, as Bruce Springsteen said. I, d- I don't know if you've seen the new interview with him, and um, Howard Stern, but it's phenomenal. And he talks about that. You know, it's very hard to be in the top upper echelon. I mean, it's like a funnel that just gets smaller and smaller right. the higher up you go. And I just feel when I when he said that, I feel like so fortunate that I have to pinch myself sometimes to go. Well, you know, you did it. You did yeah. it.
2: You, you did do worked it. Worked
0: hard and. I'm proud of that.
2: And what about Holly Knight writing Christmas music? Have you ever tackled any Christmas music?
0: Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Is that,
2: is that something you even want to do? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of things I want to do. That hasn't actually crossed my mind. Um, you know, there's so many records out there that come out at Christmas. But the thing yeah. is, it's an interesting question, because there are always covers of songs that we mm-hmm. know and love, and it's everybody doing their interpretation of it. So if I were to do it, I'd have to, yeah, they'd have to be totally original. and. Yeah. Well,
2: um, I, I recommend... to
0: write one song, but yeah. a whole album's worth, I don't know.
2: Uh, see his Christmas album from two or three years ago is amazing. So, if you've never heard that,
0: oh, check yeah, it out. is it original material?
2: It's all originals. With he, she did uh-huh. it with Greg Kirsten. Is that his name? He's a big producer, uh huh. Um, but uh, you know, you know,
0: well, <laughs> Mariah Carey, you know, she wrote one song, but she c- certainly hit the mother load with that yes, one. Did. That one'll be around forever.
2: That's it's a modern a day classic,
0: song. yeah. All right. Everybody,
2: I want you to go by I Am the Warrior, My Crazy Life Writing the Hits, and Rocking the MTV 80s. For all things Holly Knight, just go to hollyknight.com, and you're going to find it there. Buy this book.
0: Yeah, there's lots of stories with Kiss, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Hall & yeah. Oates, Ozzy Osbourne, Hart, Pat Benatar, Patty Smythe, um, Animotion, My Band Device. Um, it's Fighter. all in there.
2: Everything. Yeah. One last thing before we go. I need a playout song. What song from your career should we end this episode with?
0: Uh, how about the warrior? I think it's appropriate.
2: I think that's the one. Holly, thank you so much for your time. You. Continued success with this book. And I can't wait to hear your collaborations with Lady Gaga and everyone else that you should be collaborating with.
0: Yes, Ladies I agree. Across. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Take Thanks care, to talk Holly,
2: to you again. You. Bye, Pat. Same. We'll see you soon. Bye.